The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. What would you do if you walked into your grandma's house and found her sprawled out on the floor? Like, Jason, that's one of my nightmare scenarios. Don't talk about that. And then, hi-ho, hi-ho, it's off to work we go. However, this particular job has a boss from hell. Today on Dead Rabbit Radio. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Dead Rabbit Radio. I'm your host, Jason Carpenter. I'm having a great day. I hope you guys are having a great day too. I hope you guys are having tons of fun doing whatever you're doing. We got an awesome episode for you today, so let's get started. Walking into Dead Rabbit Command right now. Everyone get on your feet and give it up for Finn. Woohoo! Yeah! Woohoo! Yeah! Walk on in. He's doing cartwheels walking on into Dead Rabbit Command. Finn has been a man with a mission. He's currently traveling all over his city. I'm not going to give it away because (laughs) I don't know. Maybe the feds are looking for him. He has been posting up custom-made Dead Rabbit Radio flyers all over the city and sending me photographs. So, Finn, you're going to be our captain, our pilot this episode. I tell you guys all the time, if you can't support the Patreon, help get the word out about Dead Rabbit Radio. And Finn is going above and beyond on that mission. So, Finn, you are our captain and our pilot today. Finn, let's go ahead and toss you the keys to the Dead Rabbit Dirigible. We're going to start off by leaving Dead Rabbit Command. Fly us all the way out to Grandma's house. A nice leisurely view from the beautiful skies from the Dead Rabbit Dirigible. We're looking down. And there it is. I'm pointing. There it is. There's Grandma's house. <laughs> You're going to miss it. I don't know why I waited so long. I waited till we were directly over it. Finn, Finn, come on. Turn this thing around. It takes an hour just to turn, just to make a short turn. Eventually, we do land. We get to Grandma's house. And we're about to meet Grandma. We'll call her Grandma May. Oh, wait, no. That's the character from Spider-Man. We'll call her Grandma Lucy. And she is being visited by her granddaughter, Monica. Now, these are made-up names. You don't have the actual names of the peoples in this story or the location. But Monica is spending some time at Grandma's house. And she also goes to the beach. <laughs> Grandma, Grandma's not walking around in her bikini. She's like, hey, guys, I heard it's spring break next week. And she may do that. Actually. I don't know. I don't know. Grandma's Grandma's today are much different than the grandmas I had. But Monica is spending like a couple of days, apparently, with Grandma. And on this particular day, Monica goes, I'm going to go to the beach. <laughs> Grandma can fend for herself. She's made it this long. I'm going to go spend some time on the beach. So Monica's down there on the beach. She's like, hey, guys, spring break's coming up soon. They're like, hey, yeah, is your grandma showing up? She's like, what? What are you talking about? Monica spent some time at the beach. Eventually, <laughs> she comes back to Grandma's house. And the door's unlocked. Which is odd, right? It's Even if you do, some people go, I love leaving the door unlocked. 
don't. That's dumb. It's stupid when people say that. I have always thought, like, are you proud of that? Are you proud of the fact? You're like, yeah, I also uh, leave my keys in my car and the engine running all night. Are you? I, I meet people when they say, oh, no, I never lock my doors. They always say it like they're proud of that. No, that's a dumb decision. Just lock them. Just lock them. You're not doing anyone any favors. Well, I know you're doing burglars and maniacs favors. But I find that so weird. I, I never lock my doors. Why are you bragging about that? Also, what address? What's your address? And what time are you usually asleep? Are you a deep sleeper? The grandma, Grandma Lucy, does lock her doors normally. So Monica finds this very unnerving when she gets to the door and the door is unlocked. She walks in and normally Grandma Lucy is sitting on the couch watching her stories. But Monica walks into an empty living room. No Grandma Lucy. And she's like, that's weird. Then Monica walks into the kitchen. She goes, well, I know Grandma Lucy. She's not watching television. She's eating an entire apple pie by herself. We probably should have an intervention. Monica walks into the kitchen. It's empty. Monica looks down at the kitchen table. There's nothing on the kitchen table. There's no one in the room. There's no Grandma. And then she goes, Grandma must be in the bathroom. <laughs> this isn't a palatial estate. It's a grandma's house, right? It's not that huge. We have a living room. We have a kitchen. We have a bathroom and a bedroom. She's walking towards the bathroom. Monica's walking towards the bathroom to find her grandma and begins calling out, Grandma Lucy! Grandma! Grandma Lucy! And the reason why is because she doesn't want Grandma to be scared. This, this, uh, this adult female that is related to her is walking through this house unannounced it may give grandma you know a, a quick heart attack or something like that so she's calling out for grandma but she's not getting any response and then all of a sudden monica walks into grandma's bedroom and sees grandma laying on the floor and the way that she was laying was it was like in between the bed and the wall you know so not all beds are pushed right up against the wall some people have them in the middle of the room which that's fine but there's like that gap, there's a perfect grandma-sized gap between the wall and the bed. And this grandma is laying in that, <laughs> she's laying in that gap. Monica looks and she sees her grandma and she said her grandma was wearing jeans and a blue sweatshirt. And she's just laying there on the ground, but she's not dead. She actually has this interesting look on her face. Monica said it looked like she had just fallen. And the look on her face was between laughing, like, oopsie, I fell down, look at me, silly grandma, and pain. Which would be pretty realistic, right? When you fall down, you don't know the extent of the injury yet, and you kind of feel, oh, look at me, I'm so foolish. That makes sense. She looks down, she sees her grandma in pain and kind of like struggling not to laugh. Well, Monica takes a couple steps towards her grandma and her grandma disappears. Monica's like, wait, what in the world? And she's looking around the bedroom and her grandma's completely gone. And she knows that she saw her grandma there. What she saw was so detailed, right? She saw the clothes, she saw the look on her face, she saw her grandma, she saw all this stuff. She starts to panic. like, And it's interesting because this is what ha I've been in situations where panic sets in. Not just like, oh, where did I leave my keys? 
um, you don't think correctly. You don't think correctly. Uh, Monica goes, oh my god, Grandma just disappeared. Maybe she's in the bathroom. So she went and she checked the bathroom. Because that doesn't make sense, right? If you saw someone dematerialize in front of you, <laughs> you're not like, maybe, maybe they're actually peeing. But your mind's not working right. You're in a panicked mode. She sees her grandma just vanish before her eyes. First place she looks is the bathroom. And then she starts walking around the house looking for grandma. Because it doesn't make sense. People don't just disappear. Like what she saw didn't happen. But her she knows her grandma's there. But what she saw didn't happen. But the reason why she knows her grandma's there is because she saw her laying on the floor. And her brain's trying to connect all these things. And Monica's walking through the house. And she gets to the kitchen. And there on the previously empty kitchen table was a note written on bright neon paper. Like a bright sticky note. It was a note from grandma saying, I'm going to be at the neighbor's house. I'll be gone for a couple hours. And Monica was like, what in the world's going on? Like, this just doesn't make any... This is more that doesn't make sense. Grandma dematerializing. She did a lot of that in the 60s. But this note on this previously empty table, what is going on? She ended up calling her grandma's cell phone number, and her grandma picks up and is like, yeah, I'm over at the neighbor's house. Yeah, I'll be back in a couple hours. Then she see the note. Monica just kind of continued on with her day, kind of scratching her head over what the whole thing was until Grandma Lucy finally came home from the neighbor's house and Grandma was wearing a blue sweatshirt and jeans. The exact same outfit that Monica saw her grandma wearing when she was laying on the ground. This is one of those interesting paranormal stories, again, that doesn't fit anywhere. It doesn't fit anywhere in the lore. I think at first, when you're first reading it, you think ghosts, right? I think that's where I was going when I was reading the story was she walks in the bedroom. She sees her grandma laying on the floor. Grandma disappears. And then she gets a call. And they go, oh, grandma was at the roller rink. And she had a terrible accident. She was skating. And she fell down. And died. I guess it's not an accident, right? She died. I guess it's still an accident, right? You would call up and say, yeah, Grandma's had an accident. She got killed in a horrible roller skating rink. But don't worry, Monica. She had a look She had a look of laughing on her face as a hundred school kids ran over her with their skates. And then you have like, oh, that was her ghost appearing. We have That's kind of what it feels like. It kind of feels the setup for a ghost story, right? She finds that out. She was killed in her favorite blue sweater. Don't worry, Monica. We'll bury her in it. We'll have to wash off the roller skate tread marks. But no, this almost plays into... Like, uh, the person who wrote it, wrote they go by the name Pebcak. Um, they titled it Slipped into a Parallel World. A little bit of a, a, little bit of a pun there. A little bit of wordplay. Slipped into a parallel world. The question is, is who's moving where? That's the interesting part of it. And an old, I don't know, you know, grandmas nowadays, you can be 40 and be a grandma, right? But falling, I'll, I'll tell you this, as a man who is, how old am I? I'm 46 years old, I, I believe. 46, 47, somewhere around there. Falling as someone who's older than 40 is a tricky situation. If, if you're planning right now, you're like, oh, after I listen to this podcast, I'm going to go do that falling thing the kids have been talking about. Don't. Don't. It's way trickier. Like everything 
works differently. Now, again, the excess weight probably complicates things. If you are a fit man, fit as a fiddle, and you decided to start parkouring at the age of 52, go nuts. Go for it. But be careful. I guess that kind of goes without saying, but be careful because had you falling is hard the older you get is what I'm trying to say. I don't know why. People are like, duh, Jason. You could have just said that. You didn't need to break out like a medical journal and be like, let's look at these studies. Falling's difficult the older you get. And for an old person to fall down and hurt something seriously, that can completely impact the rest of their life, right? If you're 22 and you break a hip, yeah, your rugby career is going to be over, but you'll be fine. You're like, Jason, that's not true. Where are you getting your medical facts from? A hip injury when you're 22? Your hip broke. Your entire hip. Your entire hip just falls off. Oh, you'll be fine. My point is, that was a bad example here. If your hip shattered, you're going to have a bad time for a while. But... I would rather my hip shatter at the age of 22 than my hip shatter at 70. I don't have anything to back that up. Okay, I don't know why. Why am I even talking about this? Oh, oh, this is my theory. Grandma slipped in the original reality and got seriously injured, and that changed the trajectory of her life. And maybe even the trajectory of Monica's life. Maybe she was like, now I am... (laughs) Since I'm the one who found you, Grandma, I am now legally your caregiver. I must stay here and take care of you forever. And maybe that wasn't the life Monica was supposed to live. So when she walked in and saw Grandma slip, it was not Grandma slipping into an alternate reality, but Monica slipping into an alternate reality where her grandma didn't fall. Like her grandma... (laughs) Still laying on the floor. Her grandma's like laying there and she's like, oh man, I'm going to lay on this floor. No one's going to help me until my granddaughter Monica comes home. And then (laughs) Monica comes home. She hears her walk through the house going, grandma, grandma. And grandma Lucy's like, finally. And then Monica walks in the room and grandma Lucy goes, oopsie, I fell. And then then Monica just vanished, just disappeared. Grandma Lucy's like, oh no, that was my only hope. I'm going to be laying here for the next two months before my next relative shows up. Who knows what happened here? But it does seem more of like a parallel universe story than a ghost story, right? Because she's still alive. But what was the phenomenon? Where would you classify this? Who slipped where? And you could go, well, Jason, it was just like a delusion or something like that. She hallucinated grandma. First off, it's possible the story's made up. But let's say that the events are true. She might have hallucinated it, but then she would have also had to hallucinate the clothes correctly and not hallucinate the notes. Like, look at the table and hallucinate an empty table. Like, there's a lot of hallucinations going on on here. It's not like she looked at it and she saw a beetle walking around and tipping a little hat to her. She'd have to look at a normal table and see a normal table, but then hallucinate her grandma in such an odd predicament. Fascinating story. Alternate dimensions. Who slipped who and where did they go? We will never know. But somewhere out there, there may be Grandma Lucy still trapped. (laughs) She's in an infinite void. Time never passes past that moment of her laying in between the wall and the bed. That is truly her twilight zone. 
Finn, let's go ahead and toss you the keys of the carpenter copter. We are leaving behind this. <laughs> She's still like, no, no, you can help me. I'm not really in the Twilight Zone. I'm an old woman trapped between them. <laughs> We're all walking out. We're like, I don't know. It's kind of Twilight Zone in there. She's trapped there forever. Finn, call in that carpenter copter. We're leaving behind this old lady trapped behind her bed. Fly us all the way out to a warehouse. <laughs> this story happened just last month. It was about the third week of February, 2023. We're about to meet a young man named Tommy. It's not his real name. Tommy is hard at work. We're sitting back eating sandwiches and we're watching this kid work and he has this pallet jack. You know those, those things? If you guys work retail or warehouse, you guys know what they are. They're the giant like metal fork things on the ground. <laughs> Jason, I, I use a pallet jack. <laughs> I have no idea. What? What does that even mean? You know, it's like the giant fork with the wheels on it, and you roll it underneath a pallet, a pallet of wood, and then you squeeze it a couple times, wicka, 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 and it lifts the pallet, wooden pallet, up a couple inches off the ground, and then you wheel it around. You're going, wee all over the store until you get fired. Um, pallet jacks. I have a personal relationship with a pallet jack. Um, I ran over my own foot with one. A long time ago. I don't think I've ever told this story on the podcast. I was using a pallet jack. I worked for a company called... I don't even think they're around anymore. Was it Bed Bath & Beyond? What was the other one? Home home Furnishings or something like that? Bed Bath & Beyond. And then there was the other company that sold similar stuff. Beyond Baths or whatever. I don't remember where it was. They said, hey, use this pallet jack and load this truck up. And I go, I've never used the pallet jack before. And they go, you'll figure it out. And I ran, <laughs> I ran over my own foot. This is a totally true story. I ran over my own foot and severed a nerve in my foot and sued them for not training. I, didn't, I don't think it was an actual, like, sue-sue thing. What happened was I got on workman's comp. And for whatever reason throughout my life, I just know lawyers. Like, it's the weirdest thing. Like, I'll be hanging out with someone. I'll go to, like, a work party and I'll meet someone, like, someone's boyfriend. I'll be like, oh, what do you do? And he goes, oh, I'm a workman's comp lawyer. <laughs> like, I knew this guy. Like, I ran over my own foot with a pallet jack. And I didn't even have to make any calls. Like, someone's like, hey, dude, what happened to you? Because I had, like, this boot on. as I go, like, oh, I ran over my own foot. And basically, my friend, like, jumped out from behind the bushes. I think he called me and was like, dude, this is what we're going to do. So I ended up getting workman's comp because I ran over my own foot and I severed a nerve. And it hurt. It totally hurt, right? And they sent me to this doctor who every three months would look at my foot and be like, ah, oh, it's in bad shape. You're not going to be able to work for another three months. And take this medicine. This is the new stuff they're, we're giving you. And I was like, okay, so I'm taking this medicine. And then I go back three months later and it's like, ah, oh, your foot's still looking bad. Here's some more medicine. And I remember the second or third visit, the medicine he was prescribing me was called Vioxx. And he wrote out, it's no, again, it's totally true story. He wrote out on his medical pad, like notes, uh, like prescription notes. And it was a Vioxx branded medical pad. And he used a Vioxx branded like ballpoint pen. And I didn't know anything about payoffs. I didn't know anything. 
that Vioxx was actually, a lot of medical companies do this. They send out salespeople to doctors and say, prescribe our stuff and you can win like an Aruba vacation. I, I think that's too illegal, but they can go, we'll just fill your office full of free stuff. And so Vioxx, I was on Vioxx, it was an anti-inflammatory. I was on it for about two years and then I stopped getting it. Um, I stopped seeing that doctor, and it turns out that I was <laughs> later involved in a class action lawsuit against Vioxx because it was super a dangerous drug. Like, so I had a class action lawsuit against Vioxx at some point. I got like four or five hundred dollars. I bought like an external hard drive. I was like, oh, this is dope. As my heart stops, as my heart stops, I'm all full of blood clots. Vioxx was bad. I ran over my own foot with a pallet jack. They didn't train me how to use one. I ended up getting a workman's comp suit against Linens and Things. That was the name of the company. I got a workman's comp suit against it. I couldn't work. I couldn't stand up. My foot got severed. <laughs> no, no, that's an exaggeration. I severed a nerve ending in my foot. And this was so great because, like, I just happen to know this workman's comp lawyer. He's like, dude, like, like the foot is the worst thing. Right, if you had like nicked your arm or something like that, yeah, you'd be <laughs> we'd give you all the Vioxx you wanted, but you wouldn't like we wouldn't be able to load you up. And what happened was I got this was like 20 years ago. I got like seven thousand dollars from linens and things, and they paid for me to go to college. Because they're like, we need you need this guy, this man will never be able to walk again, Your Honor. This man I'm all in a full body. I'm all laying around in the courtroom. They bring in a bed and I'm laying in between the bed and the wall in the courtroom. They're like, sir, this man will never walk again. He need in California, they have this thing. It was like retraining. They're like, this man will never be able to sell another linen or thing again, your honor. So they paid for, because I was in community college. They paid for me to go to community college. So and they paid me every single month. It was insane. It was so insane. I got seven thousand dollars cash. They paid me, I think, maybe a thousand or twelve hundred dollars a month on top of the seven thousand dollar payout. And they paid for all of my schooling. Well, all my community college schooling. Everyone, I was like, I'm time to go to Vassar. And they're like, oh, okay. We're holding on. That box has gone to your brain, sir. If you think we're paying for that school. But yeah, all because, and they did not train me, and people would laugh. They'd go, Jason, what training do you need to run a pallet jack? And I go, well, obviously some, because <laughs> I ran over my foot, and I severed a nerve in the side. It still acts up. Like, obviously, I still have, I'm on jobs where I'm on my feet and stuff like that, but just the other day, I was walking down the street, and I, I can still feel it. I can still feel it. Otherwise, <laughs> when is something still around? Am I going to have to sue him again? Anyways, yeah, I I ran over my own foot with a pallet jack. I was, what happened was I was walking with it and I stopped. And the way it's designed that the rollers keep moving when you stop. Because I was pulling it behind me or like to the side of me or something. And I stopped probably to talk to a girl. <laughs> it ran over my foot. It kept rolling. And just like, you know, this thing just, I mean, it, 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 it I ran over my own foot. I ran over my own foot, got a lot of money, got paid. I mean, I was out of work for like three or four years. It was insane, but I got paid. Anyways, that's not what this story is about. This story is about another man, a guy who's competent with the pallet jack, knows how to use him. He's loading up this container. Job well done. He sees all the 
all the pallets in there. He's like, yes, I've done my job. It's time to go to the break room and have a soda. What happens is Tommy walks out of the trailer and then he turns around to, to do one more glance, make sure like everything is still packed well. Probably just wanted to admire a job well done, right? People who use pallet jacks, they're very proud. Those things are quite complicated to use. He turns around and he looks into the trailer and he sees his boss standing in the trailer. And he thought that was weird. I mean, obviously, listen, this boss will check on his work. That's what bosses are there for. But he immediately thinks, wait a second, I just walked out of the trailer. Alex wasn't in the trailer. The trailer's mostly full at this point. How did Alex get in there? And his boss, Alex, then turns around. He was standing there with his back to Tommy, kind of also looking at how everything was packed in. And Tommy goes, Alex turns around and he, something was wrong with him. Forget the fact that I just loaded this thing full of pallets. I was in and out of this container multiple times, never saw my boss. Forget the fact that I had just walked out of there and somehow, unknowingly, my boss snuck past me and then got into the container right when I walked out. Forget all that stuff. The dude was gray. His face just looked so pale and sickly that there was something obviously wrong about him. Forget everything else. He's sick. And not just that. He said he turned and he looked and he looked very ashy and pale and he looked scary. So not like when you go to work and you see someone it looks like they're a little under the weather. You're like, dude, are you okay? Like, you look really sick. You're like super pale. The, the, uh, Alex, uh, Alex's appearance actually scared Tommy. And Tommy goes, hey, hey, how'd you, how'd you get in there? Are you okay, bud? He's asking him all these questions. He's concerned. He's curious. He's, he's, he's like, why are you so scary, bro? Why are you scaring me, man? And Alex completely ignores Tommy. Doesn't answer any of his questions, just walks past Tommy out of the trailer and leaves that section of the warehouse. He just he sees him just walk away, and Tommy's like, what in the world was that? Super creepy. And Alex never ignores me. Something's wrong. Something's totally wrong. So Alex figures, I'm just going to go to his office and see what's up. He walks to Alex's office, the light's off. What? What? What's going on? He finds a coworker and goes, "Hey, have you seen Alex? Like something's really wrong. He looks sick. He looks really sickly, and he's ignoring me. Like I, he walked right past me. He was standing in the container I was working on, and then I was like talking to him. He just walked away, left the warehouse. Like I, he's not acting right. And the coworker goes, "Um, he's not here, Tommy. Alex left. Alex left on an errand about twenty minutes ago. He's not here." And at this point, Tommy's like, dude, like, again, like in the first story, you're starting to panic. You know what you saw. He hasn't been gone for 20 minutes. Like, it's just impossible. So Tommy goes out to the parking lot. Alex's car is gone. Tommy says at this point, he starts to get a full on panic attack. Like he knows what he saw, but he's being given information that is making that impossible and even if alex was in the building 
that was enough. Like something's wrong. Something was scary when he looked at Alex and he needed an answer to that. But now he's finding that Alex has been gone for 20 minutes. And Tommy goes, I felt like I was going to have a heart attack. Like I felt full on, like I was just going to die. Like if it probably maybe the first panic attack he's ever had, because that's what it feels like. I felt like I was going to die. And, and the creepiest part of the story was I was sitting there and for, for whatever reason, the thing I was hung up on the most was what he looked like. He goes, because I cannot get the image out of my head of Alex standing in the shipping container. He goes, I can't get it out of my head. When I close my eyes, I see him standing there in the container looking at me. And I just remember how terrified I was. And I can't get that image out of my head. I just can't. Later, and this is interesting, we don't know if it was the same night. It might have been the next day. But it was announced at the workplace that Alex had died the previous night in a car accident. When he was out running errands, he was killed in a traffic collision. So this goes back to that story of, like we talked about in the first one, the traditional ghost story. You're seeing the ghost. You're seeing what you, it looks like a real human. You don't know they're dead yet. And then later on you find out that they had died at the time you'd seen them. But this story has a twist. This is a super, super interesting way to look at this. This was originally posted online by someone going by the name LonelyAd9225. Remember, this story just happened in the third week of February. We're recording this on the first, second week of March. He's like, I don't want to go back to work. I don't want to go back to work. This was terrifying. But I have to go to work. And this story is so recent... That this is an ongoing thing. It's not something that he can look back on and go, man, you won't believe what happened when I was 25 working at a warehouse. But now I'm 45. It's happening now. And the events are still rolling out. And he goes, I don't want to go back. I'm terrified. But imagine if, like, it's one thing if your house is haunted. I mean, that would be the worst because that's where you're supposed to go rest. But I think the second worst place would be your job, right? (laughs) If you could pass 100 haunted graveyards on the way to work, As long as your work and your home are fine, whatever. You see little ghost girls dancing on the street and all sorts of crazy stuff. (laughs) Don't pick up any hitchhikers on your carpool, but imagine at work having a ghost. And you go, that's fine. I work at, you know, KB Toy Store and there's a little ghost kid walking around the hallway. That's fine. (laughs) That can be super terrifying. They're like, hey, you got to work the night shift. You're like, again? Not a kid, man. Come on. They have video cameras set up. You don't know. They actually have a YouTube show of you just being terrified late at night at this KB toy store. It's one thing to work at a haunted location. It's completely different to work at a place that's haunted by your boss. Because remember, this ghost, this gross-looking ghost, this scary ghost, was checking Tommy's work. And if you didn't think that was the case at first, you thought maybe he was like, ah, before I go into the afterlife, I want to look at one more truck full of pallets. That's all I want. No, after this happened, another co-worker said, I was in the break room a couple days ago. 
And I was the only one in the break room. And all of a sudden, I wasn't the only one in the break room. I turned and I looked around and there was no one else in there, but I felt like there was someone else in there. And then I felt the, the that unmistakable sensation of someone just staring at me. I turn and I kind of look around in the empty break room and there's no one in there, but I can tell someone's staring at me. And then I realize that whoever is staring at me is standing right behind me. Now, this employee did not say, but I only took a 15-minute break. Like, if she's the only one in the break room, it could have easily been like a 20-minute long break. And imagine having a ghost who, a ghost boss, right? Now, all of a sudden, every single rule has to be followed. 15-minute breaks or 15 minutes? No running over your own foot with pallet jack. <laughs> you have to do everything according to it. You're trying to fib on your timesheet. You're going into the fridge to eat someone else's lunch. All of this stuff. Human raccoons is what I used to call those people because people did that to me all the time. They'd sneak in and grab my lunch. Human raccoons. But you have all of these little rules. That's a big rule. I hate it when people steal other people's food. But other than that, other than work, theft, whatever, you're stealing a couple pallet jacks. You're like, oh, they're not going to notice these missing. That's fine. But imagine having a ghost boss that is constantly keeping an eye on you at work. I mean, a, a real boss is whatever. But a ghost boss would be the worst, right? You're going to the bathroom and then you pull out your phone and you hear like a knock on the stall. You're like, ah, okay, okay, boss. I'll put the phone back in my pocket. <laughs> the ghost is like, nope, drop it in the toilet. Drop it in the toilet so you'll learn your lesson. You're like, oh, okay, boss ghost. Like a real ghost, I mean, a real boss couldn't follow you into the bathroom. And be like, well, I've noticed that you've stopped defecating five minutes ago. Get back to work. But a ghost could. A ghost could. That would be terrible. So having a ghost boss would be the worst. And you don't have any control over it. It's not like you can even report him, right? He's doing all this illegal stuff. He's stuffing merchandise in your pockets. He's been trying to get you fired for years. But now that he's a ghost, you're like, what? No, I didn't. I, I came in with these pallets. I came in with these big woods of... That have the company name stamped on them. And they're like, well, look at this footage. We don't see you carrying them in. He was like, oh, he's manipulating the footage. Oh, you actually did steal those. <laughs> That's a bad example. Why would you bring your own pallets to work? They're like, yeah, they're very comfortable. You're, you know what I mean? Like, he could frame you. Well, I guess he could just scare you. I guess I don't, I don't know why he turned him into a villain. He would just be the boss from hell, right? He'd be a boss that you can never complain about, you can never report, and you would have to follow every rule, every single rule. And what are you going to do about it? I mean, I guess you could also say, well, what's he going to do about it, right? He can't fire me. He can't fire me. He's a ghost. It's not like a pen is going to magically start writing out a disciplinary form. But what if? What if you're like... You're sitting there in your office and you're getting written up and you're like, you turn to your living boss. You're like, I don't have to take, look, it. there's clearly not a human writing that up. That's clearly my dead boss. And the real boss is like, listen, man, I don't agree with the dead boss either, but he's, that is a legal document. He's filling out. You are now legally written up. You're like, oh man, but come on. So 
would you work at a haunted workplace? That's been a question that we've asked over the years, I think, on this show. The answer is yes, but I never thought about having the boss be the ghost. Like, that would be the worst. Like, a customer floating around. I mean, listen, ghosts in and of themselves are depressing because you don't have ghosts without people dying. But if you have a couple ghosts floating around your local pharmacy, <laughs> the line was too long. They're like, sir, sir, can I be treated first? I'm about to die of my illness in line. And they're like, oh, no, you got to take a number. You got to stand in line. People are like, Egh. and then a ghost is floating around. <laughs> Anyways, a couple ghost customers. That'd be fine. But a ghost boss would be awful. And I think even if they were a cool ghost, boss i don't think they'd be a cool ghost i think they would just kind of be maybe more of a stickler because they'd be disappointed they're like oh man i thought i was going to be like a casper ghost and (laughs) solve mysteries with a bunch of other ghosts but no i'm stuck at this cvs pharmacy for eternity and then they'll be like i might as well become a bad boss i might as well become what i never was in life a terrible boss so I think that would be the worst. I think that would be one of the worst places to have a hunting. Because at the end of the day, you can't leave. You could probably get another job somewhere. <laughs> They're like, can we call your old boss <laughs> to get a recommendation? And you're like, oh, no. Yes, his number is 666-H-E-L-L. And they're like, what? Yeah, you got to bring a Ouija board to all your interviews. You're like, listen, if you want to talk to my old boss to get a recommendation here, let's both put our fingers on this planchette. And the guy's like, what? I'm not doing that. What? You know that? My old boss is a ghost, bro. He's haunting me. He's, he's standing behind you right now. I brought him to this interview. He's your problem now. And then you run out. They're like, what? What's going on? And then the interviewer feels eyes on the back of his head. He's like, ah. DeadRabbitRadio at gmail.com is going to be your email address. You can also hit us up at facebook.com slash DeadRabbitRadio. TikTok is at DeadRabbitRadio. DeadRabbitRadio is the daily paranormal conspiracy and true crime podcast. You don't have to listen to it every day, but I'm glad you listened to it today. Have a great day.